we we started Psalm 5 last week and made it through the first six verses. Um, we we started Psalm 5, you know, understanding it's a Psalm of David, uh, seeing that he is he is pinning a prayer to God. Uh, he is not just crying out to God, but he is also speaking about who God is in Psalm 5. He's declaring the nature of God, the character of God. And the two things, the two main attributes, as you will, no, not attributes, but uh, characteristics, we could say, of God are found in verse 4 through 7. 4 through 6, expressing God's uh, hatred of evil. You know, we can read four through four through six, and it is very plain. And I was looking at that this afternoon, and I thought, how did I spend forty minutes on those three verses? Because that's just very—it seems very straightforward. And Sylvia's nodding her head. Um, I, we had some discussion. That's right. We—it wasn't all mean. We all we talked last week. But the, I want to read. I will, we will. I do want to read four, five, and six again to to show that aspect of God and His relationship with the wicked, with the sinner. Uh, and, and we spent quite a bit of time on that. And so, David expressing God's disposition. I guess that's the good word towards the wicked towards the evildoer, towards those who speak lies, towards the bloodthirsty, towards the deceitful man. Um, and then we got to verse 7 to touch on it and to sort of lead us into tonight. And so I said all of this, and then I think most, if not all, translations start with a conjunction, verse 7, but, but I, David says, and as he, as he goes to speak about God's disposition towards David, he's going to expound upon the un, sort of the mirror image opposite of God's disposition towards wickedness, but God's steadfast love towards David. Now, that's as far as we're going to go this evening is... Because there's a word in verse 7 that is monumental in the Old Testament. And the word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D. That's the English way of spelling it. It's I think it's different when you look at it in Strong's. I, it's, I don't know Hebrew. so But it, typically as you see it written in English, it's H-E-S-E-D. Um, and that... In the ESV, as I'm reading it, is steadfast love. In the KJV, it's mercy. In the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible, uh, it's translated faithful love. 
I don't I don't want to get too far, but the what I want you to see is that this is a major major characteristic that is not just informing us of who God is, but informing us in how he uh, relates, well, how he interacts with wicked people. Now, and you'll you'll see as we go along here. Okay, so let's just let's read it, Psalm five, one through seven, and we'll just stop there, and then start talking about the Hesed of God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Verse one. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in the in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies and the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man but I verse 7 through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you so I, I was thinking about this question as I was analyzing this verse. And here, here's what I want you to think about in your mind for a second. As you came to church this morning, and I'm, ass- I'm going to assume as I, as I ask this question that you came to worship God with a true heart in true faith. And as you came to church this morning to worship God ask yourself why am I here today why why did I have a desire to plan my weekend in such a way that I would make myself available and drive to church to worship God in Christ Jesus Because ultimately, what David says in verse 7 is he's answering that question. He's answering that question. So he's just spoke about the the disposition of God to the wicked. And and, uh, yeah, then he he speaks about himself, verse 7, but I, and he says, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. And I think that's a good swap for what we do Sunday by Sunday or Sunday evening. And and, and in the quietness of our house as we open up the scriptures, any time that we look to worship God in fear of him, and a holy reverence of him. Why? Why do we do that? And I don't mean what is the reason why we should. I mean, why do I have a desire? 
why why am I here? And that person I know who lives down the street has no desire. So that's sort of how I and I I just want to kind of get that thought in our mind. Why did we desire to enter in the presence of God in humility? Um, this, like I said, this is what David's doing or says that he's doing in verse seven. Um, but I think it's also implied that it's not what the wicked are doing. In verse four, five, and six. Right there, there seems to be a contrast. Hence the conjunction. Um, so, to answer that, our question. Is it because of the wisdom we have? Uh, Who gives us wisdom? Right. Amen. Who gives us wisdom? And this this one might not be... This one used to be really big. It probably is still a lot of places. I My lineage, I'm here because of... Who I was, the family I was born into. Now that would, this would be a big one in in David's time and in Jesus' time. But you know, I've I've heard a lot in the past of, well, that that's what my family does. That's who we are. Um, it can't be because of our righteousness. I'm here because of the relationship. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, and. Okay. Okay. So, let y'all y'all are going all to where I wanted us to see this. This is perfect. The way that y'all your minds are thinking. Verse seven. He says. But I, not because of his wisdom, not because of his lineage, not because of his righteousness, but through the abundance of your steadfast love. Through the abundance of your steadfast love. That word steadfast love or mercy is the word hesed. It it could be translated mercy, kindness. I've gone through all that. But what the Old Testament really conveys when it speaks of Hesed is it's the covenantal love of God. The love of God that is eternal. Now, it's it's you you do a study of this word in the Old Testament, and it doesn't appear until after God's covenant with Abraham. Not once does the love of the love of God, the steadfast love of God. I mean, not that God's not not that that characteristic of Him isn't present, but as it is presented to us in the Scriptures, it does not appear until after God has made a covenant with Abraham, and all all throughout Genesis. And we're not going to go to every verse. We're not going to go to any verse in Genesis. But if you go through Genesis, you see after God's covenant. With, with uh, Abraham, the Hesed of God, 
then makes its way to, guess who? Those who are in Abraham or of the lineage of Abraham. Now, don't get me, don't, don't connect my words to the lineage and thing. We're talking about covenant. The first place it comes about is when God saves Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot declares the Lord's hesed upon him from saving him from destruction. And then if you continue on in Genesis, you see Joseph speak of the hesed of God towards him. You see all throughout the building up in Genesis up until Joseph and his family are in Egypt. And then once Exodus starts, the book of Exodus starts, it falls away. And you, you, I didn't think about this until just now. What not only not only do you realize that Pharaoh forgot about who Joseph and his family were, but if you read through Exodus, you realize that it it seems as if Joseph and his family, Israel, has forgot about Yahweh, their Lord, and the steadfast love. 400-some years after oppression, they remember the promise of God. They cry out to him. God delivers them. Why? Why does God deliver them? Because of his hesed, his steadfast love. And then he pulls them out of bondage out of, and delivers them from slavery Makes them a people like they had not been. How? By a covenant. So we started with a covenant in Abraham where we first see the expression of the of Hesed. And then we see it. Now we've got a couple of verses to look at. Uh, Exodus 15. And here's the, here's the frustrating part. Of this is that this word is so big, I can't, I can't express it enough. Like, I, it's it's frustrating. Words don't they don't. They really don't. Words can't. Words can't express the the, the steadfast love and mercy and kindness of God. Um, The song of Moses. This is the song of Moses after they have been saved by God, delivered from bondage, crossing the Red Sea. God has God has wiped out their enemy. It's you know I'm trying to use language that sounds very familiar here. Uh, and in 15, we won't we won't read the whole thing. Let's start at 11. Who is like you, O Lord, Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love. You have led in your hesed, the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your whole abode. So there we see... The word hesed will now pick up again the the the, uh, the revealing of the steadfast love of God in the scriptures. Then sort of just really gets going, and it, it, we won't look at it. But in in Exodus 20, what do we get in Exodus 20? 
the Ten Commandments. What is happening in the Ten Commandments? A new covenant. A new covenant of God with Israel. And what... So go to uh, Exodus 34. And if you're familiar with the covenant between God and Israel at Mount Sinai... You understand that it is a covenant of that is between two parties and both sides must keep their side of the agreement. Okay? Verse 6, 30, Exodus 34, I might have said 33. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him, that would be Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God of Merciful and gracious, God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth Generation And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin. And take us from your inheritance. For your inheritance. You know what had just happened? The golden calf. The golden calf had just taken place. Yet God declares his steadfast love. Now, does Israel remain faithful to this covenant? No. Um, Before we move on, I, I, I want to ask this question. Why was Israel worthy of the hesed of God? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And really, who is worthy? This is a good way to lead into this next couple passages. Who is worthy of the Hesed of God? Now, if you think back to Psalm 5, was, did David make himself worthy of the Hesed of God? Huh? Was he worthy of keeping God's steadfast love? Deuteronomy 7 Verse six, and if you're if if you're not that familiar with Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is sort of the end of Exodus 2.0. So God gave the covenant and the law to Israel at Mount Sinai, right? And they were to keep God's law, and He would continue to be their God. But when they get close to the promised land, what do they do? They they, they break the covenant with God. They cannot keep God's covenant. And what does he do? He wipes that generation out. So Deuteronomy is actually the, the covenant 2.0 being declared to their children. And so they're at the foot of, of, of 
going into the promised land, and Moses is sort of re-declaring the covenant God is making with Israel. And verse 6, he says, For you are a people holy, separate unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So, so why is Israel the recipient of God's hesed? Verse 7, It is not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of people. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now I scratch my head and I think, oh, I'm glad he didn't make that covenant with me. Why? To those who keep his commandments. Hey. So I think, okay, where? So how how does this work out then? Turn to Second Samuel. Or chapter. Oh, I didn't write the chapter down. Um, seven, maybe. Second Samuel seven. Yes. So what we're what we're doing is we're sort of tracking along the Hesed of God. We see that it it comes into the scriptures after Ab- the covenant God's covenant with Abraham. And then again after God's covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai. And that Hesed sort of has, it not sort of, it has that, that attachment, keep my commandments and I will keep my covenant and steadfast love. Well, we know Israel fails in this. But 2 Samuel 7 brings us another covenant. God's covenant with David. Now, I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but it's, it's, this whole this whole first section of this chapter is is basically God telling Nathan to go and tell this to David. But we want to just go ahead and jump into the end of it here around verse 15, 13. God speaking through Nathan to David about this new this covenant that he is making with him. I will be I'm sorry. He shall build a house for my name. I'm sorry. Let's go back to 12. When your days are fulfilled, David, when you die, you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline with, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. Now let me stop here. And now, if you've been, if you've listened to Brother Dan 
on prophecy, whether it be in the New Testament or the Old Testament, we and we understand that sometimes as the prophecy is being spoken, or the or or yeah, that there is sort of you, there's usually a immediate fulfillment, but then also a delayed fulfillment. And so as you read this, you understand that this this um, prophecy from Nathan. This word of the Lord from Nathan is speaking and fulfilled in David's son Solomon, first and foremost, or most immediate, but also, most importantly, in Jesus. And you can see that in sort of the words that are being used. And then in those first few verses, it kind of goes back and forth. Um, you know, when he commits iniquity, well, we know that in him was no sin. Jesus, but we also know that Solomon was a little scoundrel, okay? But we also know, and I, I'm kind of going out on a limb here. Now, Christ does not commit sin. He who knew no sin, but he what? He became sin, right? And in that, what does it say? I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the son of men. Now, I don't know of Solomon being beaten by any man. Uh, but look what verse 15 says. But my hesed will not depart from him. Now, what is the condition that God gave Israel for the hesed, for his steadfast love? Keep my commandments. Who is worthy of the hesed of God? Jesus. The offspring of David, the son. Let's, let's look at this again. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So... What is that pointing us to? It's pointing us to, we go back to this statement. Lot was, Lot received the, the hesed of God because of his, his being in Abraham. What do we receive the hesed of God from? In whom? In Christ. In the only one. That God has declared, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. David David stands in Psalm 5 in Christ. Abraham stood in the love of God. In Christ. And you and I stand in the eternal love of God in Christ. Because He is the only one who can please the Father, who can keep His commandments. Look at Romans 8. Go to Romans 8. 
this ought to break open your understanding for Romans 8. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are here. That's that phrase. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What did Israel have to obey? The law. He did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if, if verse 7, the verse 7 is and 8 are realities... The flesh is hostile to God. Those who do not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So where must you find yourself? In the Spirit. How do you find yourself in the Spirit? In Christ. And that's what he says in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if... Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, then the spirit is life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Righteousness of Christ. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. This is the fulfillment of the new covenant. And the fulfillment of the new covenant only comes through being in Christ. And being in Christ, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Which then gives you the ability to keep the commandments. To please the Lord. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit are uh, by the spirit of God are sons of God. Now, does God, obviously, loves his children? Now, keep, keep in mind hesed. I'm sorry. I know this. I'm connecting the dots in my brain, but I might not be communicating it the right way. But here's what I want you to understand. The hesed of God is coven, the covenantal mercy and kindness and love of God. And we only receive it through Christ. And if it is the, uh, a covenantal eternal love of, and mercy of God then what does that mean for us as we are in Christ? 
just as God told David, what did he tell what did he tell David? He told that he his Hesed would never leave his offspring, his son. Well, how does Romans 8 end? What can separate us from the love of God? You got to have the 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 preposition though in Christ Jesus God's hesed his unchanging love his steadfast mercy that he promised David to his offspring his son the Lord Jesus Christ comes to you as you're united to him are you worthy of it by no means Is it your wisdom? Is it your righteousness? Is it your lineage? Is it anything? No. It is your union with Him who is worthy. And nothing can separate you from the Hesed of God in Christ Jesus. And so, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter into your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple and the fear of the Lord. So we who have received the steadfast love, the mercy of God. And I didn't even I didn't even talk about the word abundance or multiple. Like I we oh. But what you see from David not only and there was a great quote by uh, Henry, but I forgot to write it down. Not only is your access into the house of God, the temple of God, by his mercy, but it drives you to worship. It drives you to the fear of the Lord. It drives you to exalt him, to come into his presence I pray that we, the Lord, would help us understand the magnitude of this. I don't even want to call it a word of the reality of the steadfast love of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. (coughs) And may God be merciful and show us more and more and more of his love that we have received in Christ Jesus. That's all I got. Yes, ma'am. He'll let you know as much as he wants you to know at, at that time. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Because the 